This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. How's everybody doing today? Man, it is so good to have you here with us as we close out this series called Choices. I don't know if you realize it or not, but we are the sum total of the choices that we have made in our lives up to this moment, which means that tomorrow you'll be the sum total of the choices that you've made up to that moment. And 15 years from now, you'll be the sum total of the choices that you've made up to that moment. And so many times when we make choices in life, we, we, we make them blindly. We make them without any thought to them. We, we make choices that are perhaps cultural. They're the cultural norm. Or perhaps they're the way that your family navigated life. But in reality, we're not consciously examining the choices that we make. And it's important for us to think critically about the choices that we're making in life. Because if we want a better tomorrow, if we want a better 15 years from now, it's going to be because we make better choices. Choices set the stage for change. They set the stage for change. And when we say, I want a better life in the future, what we're saying is there are things in my life that need to change. There are things in my life that need to change. Now, just so you know, next week we are starting a brand new series, okay? I really believe that for those of us who are believers and those of us who want to live in the life that God has destined you to live in, this is going to be a very important series. It's called Kingdom Come, okay? How many of y'all remember that prayer we pray, right? Not my will, but your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And see, the thing is, is that when Jesus came through proclaiming the gospel, the good news, he proclaimed a gospel that talked a lot about the kingdom of heaven. Not a gospel that talked a lot about obedience. Not a gospel that said, hey, I'm going to give you a checklist. You just do this and do this and do this and do this, and you'll be okay. That's not how Jesus taught. He talked about the kingdom. And here's the thing that we understand about any kingdom, or any ruler or principality or any government that has ever been established, that there are responsibilities to come with it. How many of y'all know you're working on your taxes right now? There are responsibilities that come with being a citizen in the kingdom that we're a citizen in, but there are benefits that come with that as well. There are benefits that come. In the same way, in the kingdom of God, there are responsibilities, but there are benefits. I don't want you to miss out on what God has already bought for you, okay? I don't want you to miss out on the benefits of the relationship that he wants to have with you. 
the kingdom that he reigns in because Jesus, although he is our friend and we can sometimes be a little too familiar, he is our king. He is our king and we need to see him as that. I promise it's going to be a message series you don't want to miss one weekend, okay? Starts next week. Now, as we get started with this message, let me ask you this question. If you respond affirmatively, I want you to raise your hand. Again, I've asked these questions almost every week to open. I just want you to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is in the room right now, and God hates liars, okay? All right, so if you if you agree with this and say yes, I just want you to raise your hand, all right? Do you wish you had more time to do something you feel is important? Raise your hand if that's you, all right? All of you are not raising your hand, you're just lying, okay? It's okay, okay? Most of us feel this way. This is really common. Most of us wish we had more time to spend with our kids, to pray, to read, to, to work out, maybe. How many of y'all just wish you had more time to go fishing, right? I just wish I could go fishing, okay? Spend some time with my friends, travel, serve at church, but, but there's things that are urgent in life, right? There's a yard to mow, there's dishes to do, there's laundry to fold, there's diapers to change, there's mouths to feed, there's bills to pay, there's chores to be completed, there's a work project that needs to be done, and that Instagram post I'm about to post has, has got to have the perfect caption, right? right? There is work that is urgently pressing in on me right now. See, I noticed a few years ago we preached a series that kind of encapsulates this message. And I've been paying attention over the last few years when I talk to people. It is so common if I were to come up to you and say, hey, how you doing today? How you doing? What's life like? The most common answer that I get is, man, it's good, but it's busy. It's busy at work, busy at home. We just have a really busy schedule right now. It's busy, it's busy, it's busy. And I've come to believe this, that if the enemy can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If the enemy can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Because there's something about busy. So often we, 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 we feel like we, we don't have the time. We don't have the energy to devote to what's really important. We feel rushed and hurried like there's not enough hours in the day. How many of y'all, if I could gift you three more hours each day, y'all take it right now. Raise your hand if that's you. I would take those hours. You ever stop to think about this? That Thomas Edison, the most prolific inventor in history, Pablo Picasso, perhaps the greatest artist to ever live, Even Mark Zuckerberg, who is maybe in technology the greatest inventor that we have in our modern day, that they all have the same 24 hours a day that we have. They all have the same. And so when I've heard people say, you know, I'd really like to, and you fill in the blank, whatever it is that they think is important, but I don't have the time to. I'd really like to. I've started to realize something. It's just an excuse. It's not true. Oh, we have time. We have time. But the average person in here that has a smartphone and has Facebook spends up to two hours a day on Facebook. Two hours. Two hours. See, the thing... I've learned is we should really, if I could take 
a phrase out of your vernacular, it would be that phrase, I don't have enough time, because that's not true. You have time for what you choose to have time for. You have time for what you choose to have time for. I don't have time to is just an excuse. It is just an excuse. It is just an excuse. I don't have time to go on a date. Just an excuse. I don't have time to make a budget. Just an excuse. I don't have time to say I'm sorry to that friend that I need. I'm just an excuse. Just an excuse. Just an excuse. So today we're going to talk about the difference between what's important and what's urgent. And I love this quote. This quote's by, by Seth Godin. And Seth Godin is a, a, a business thinker. He's kind of a, a leadership guru. And he said this. Pay attention to this. If you're the person, hey, you know, how many of y'all have, have our, our app on your phone? How many of y'all have your app? If you don't, I'd get it. Um, because you can today, if you pull up our app today, and, and you pull up our what's going on right now, is that my phone's not working. Um, but... <laughs> Because it's connected to the wrong Wi-Fi. But if you pull up our app, and, and there's going to be every week, I just want you to see this ahead of time, that there's going to be in it our current sermon series. All right? And as you pull it up and you pull up today's message, you literally, some of y'all complain because you can't see your notes, okay? But what happens is you can actually now take notes on your phone in the fill-in-the-blanks. So you go to Choices, Important Over Urgent, and there it is, fill-in-notes right there, ready for you, okay? So, um, he, Seth Godin, okay, is, and I say this because some of y'all also like to take pictures of like really important things that we throw up on screen because you don't want to write it all down. This is a picture-taking moment, okay? This is one of those quotes out of the message that you want to get a picture of. All right, pay attention to this. If you want to, if you learn to choose the important, the urgent will take care of itself. If you always choose the urgent, you'll never address what's important. I'm going to read this again. If you learn to choose the important, the urgent will take care of itself. But if you always choose the urgent, you'll never address what's important. See, think about this in business. It's urgent to try to calm an angry customer. It's important to put systems in place, to put systems in place that help deal with customer frustration, okay? In, in, in our own life, right, in the things that we own, it's important to do the routine scheduled maintenance over equipment like HVAC units and cars, right? Changing out filters, changing the oil. It's important, but often it's urgent to fix it because we haven't been doing the important of doing the maintenance on it. All right, our bodies, think about our health. It's urgent to get help when we're sick, but it's more important to take care of yourself so that you don't get sick. And if you do what is important, if we learn to do what is important in life, you won't have as many things that are urgent. If you learn to do what's important, you won't have as many things that are urgent. So today, what I want us to do is we must learn to choose the important over the urgent. 
We must learn to do that. So I'm going to take you to a story. It comes out of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is this wonderful story of, of two friends of Jesus. Jesus is coming into town. They're going to host them at their home. And I just want to say this as we get into it, just as a side note. As we live in a culture that's talking a lot about the roles of women in society and culture, and, and there's a, a, a lot of people who have very uninformed opinions about the Bible and the church, I want you to notice that two of Jesus' best friends were girls, okay? Their names were Martha and Mary. Kind of sounds like a sitcom, doesn't it? Martha and Mary, right? All right, that's who he's going to visit here in Luke 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what she said. All right. Now, as this story unfolds, we're going to find out that most likely this moment caught Martha a little off guard. All right? How many of y'all know if you got a call today and it was uh, an assistant to one of our local United States senators and they said, hey, you know what? Um, our, our senators randomly picked you. We, we want to have some, some dinners with some people and just kind of come over and visit and talk about some issues that we're dealing with locally. Uh, so we are planning next Tuesday night to bring you dinner and sit down with you in your home. How many of y'all, your home would be spotless? You'd be throwing things under the couch, shoving things into the closets, putting stuff under the bed, keeping doors closed to rooms you don't want nobody looking in because it's going to look good when somebody comes over and visits. But if I just drop by, some of y'all going to be like, y'all, y'all, can you just stay out here for a little bit? Um, I'll bring you out. Just don't come inside. Don't look. The house is a mess. The house is a mess. Well, this caught Martha off guard. And there's this tension in life between taking care of the things that we have and enjoying the things that we have. There's this tension between taking care of our homes and enjoying our homes, uh, taking care of our cars and enjoying our cars, taking care of our kids and enjoying our kids, taking care of our relationships and then enjoying our relationships. There's this tension between those. And in this moment, Jesus shows up, and there's Mary sitting at the feet in a posture of reception, in a posture to receive. And there's Martha, just running around trying to get things squared away. Jesus showed up, and the house is a mess, right? Right? Jesus showed up, and the house is a mess. So she's trying to get things taken care of. Mary's focused on Jesus. Martha, Martha is focused on doing, and Martha, and while she is focused on doing, is missing out on something that's very important. Now, don't respond to this because if you did. Uh, most of us would have to raise our hands. But how many of you have ever felt this before? Felt like, you know what, I would love to spend more time with Jesus, but I just don't have enough time. I just don't have enough time. Think about Martha. Jesus is sitting in her living room, and she's not spending time with him. She's, She's literally busy trying to take care of the house, missing out. Jesus. So look at what happens. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? She's she's tattling on her sister (laughs) to Jesus. Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? Tell her to help me. 
Oh, she's distracted, all right. But I noticed this. Do you see what she says in there? Don't you care? Don't you care? See, it's often when we're lost in the urgent that we think God doesn't care. It's often when we're lost in the urgent. We're lost. We're, we're lost in the busyness. We're lost in the urgent. We're lost in the, we're, that we think that God doesn't care for you. God cares. God cares, but your perspective is so trapped by what's around you. It's often when we're lost in the urgent that we think that God doesn't care. And we get so distracted in life. We get lost in the urgent. We, we, we get distracted. We get distracted. We start looking at other things. And, and I, I think that many of us, this is a sad indictment, but it's true, okay? And we have to be willing to admit that it's true. That many of us are more devoted to what's urgent than we are to what's important. We are more devoted to the things that seem urgent in our lives than we are to what's important. And being overly devoted to the urgent will always cause us to miss out on what's important. Being overly devoted to what's urgent will always cause us to miss out on what's important. And I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out on what God's got you, right? God's got some amazing things for you. There is more. There's more than what you've known. There's more than what you can imagine. But we'll miss out on it if we stay focused on the things in life that are urgent. Look at how he continues in Luke chapter 10. Martha, Martha. I love the way he opens this. Because this is when Jesus finally addressed. It's basically, let's just, in, in, in the Greek, what he's saying is, bless your heart. All right? <laughs> that's, what, that's what he's saying. Y'all know, bless your heart is basically like saying you're stupid in a nice way. Right? All right. That's really what it is. So bless, bless your heart, Martha, is basically how it's going. All right. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what's better. And it will not be taken away from her. Leave that verse up there for a second. Notice that he says, Mary has chosen what is better. In other words, what you're trying to do is not bad. Oh, this, this thing that's keeping you busy, that's not bad. This isn't bad. This isn't bad. But Mary, the choice she's making right now is better. There are better things. And if you're in here today and you're busy, I want you to know that God has something better for you. God has something better for you. So many of us are living, like Jesus says there, we're worried and upset about many things. Some of y'all lay awake at night. God, what's going to happen with my kid? Oh, God. What's their future going? Where are they going to go to school? What are they going to major in? You're up at 3 a.m. just praying over it, like fasting and praying all night long. Your kid's three years old, okay? All right? You're just worried, right? Some of you, right? Some of you, your spouse drives out of the driveway, and all you can think of is, oh, God, they're going to get in a wreck. Oh, God, they're going to leave me. Oh, God, they're never going to come home. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Everything that could go wrong with that day goes through your mind. 
Some of y'all, every time you look at a situation or a person, all you see is the liability. Martha, you are concerned about many things. I've noticed this. Look at this. Concern about too many things leads to worry. Concern about too many things leads to worry. There's not enough. There's, I want you to know, if you're concerned about all, there's very little that you need to be concerned about. And the stuff you need to be concerned about is the very little that God has given you control over. The stuff that you don't have control over, you need to surrender to God. I preached about that a few weeks ago. Go back and listen to that message, okay? But concerned about too many things leads to worry, but understanding what we need leads to peace. So let me ask you this question today. Think about this. I want you to actually write and answer down in your notes if you're taking notes, okay? What's the most important thing you've been distracted from pursuing? Maybe it's something that you need to be becoming. Maybe it's something that you need to do. What's the most important thing you've been distracted from? Maybe it's spending time with God, time with your kids, devoting yourself to working on your marriage. Maybe it's that you need to work out and physically get in better shape. And maybe it's that you need to make time to read and invest in yourself and in your soul. Maybe it's that you need to journal so that you can have an outlet for your emotions and your perspectives. Maybe it's that you just need to be a little bit more consistently devoted to church. What's the most important thing you've been distracted from pursuing because today it's time to choose the important over the urgent. So what I want to do is spend a little time just practically walking through some things that we can do to actually choose the important. Okay? To choose the important. Let's walk through this. Number one, to choose the important, you need to create artificial deadlines. Create artificial deadlines. Some of y'all are looking at me like, what's an what's artificial deadline? It's an artificial deadline. That's, that's what it is. That's just as simple as I can make it. It's an artificial, it's, it's a deadline for something that you need to get done, but it's probably before it actually realistically needs to be done. For example, when are my messages, when do they really need to be done? My message needs to be done around 8.59 a.m. on Sundays right before we have our first service. That's when it realistically it needs to be done. But we, as a staff, we have a deadline that the messages due Tuesday afternoon. When we're done working, when we go home, Tuesday afternoon. Why do we do that? So it creates margin. So the rest of the week, it forces us to get some stuff done early in the week so later in the week we can focus on other things things that matter, that are important. See, y'all do this, but you don't know you do it. You ever plan a vacation and you're leaving on Wednesday, right? And, and normally in a week, you have all the stuff you do from Monday to Sunday, but you come in and it's Sunday night and you're like, all right, game face on. We've got three nights. I'm going to get all my work done. And by Wednesday, when you pull out of the driveway, all the stuff that you normally get done in a week has been done in three days. Why? Because you had an artificial deadline. You had an artificial deadline that created margin, that created space for you to go, ah, oh, it's done. Ah, oh, I'm done. I can breathe now. I can breathe. I can breathe. 
See, for me, I've created these just in my personal life. One, I, I do my own laundry at home to take that burden off my wife. I do that, okay? Some of y'all don't believe that, but that's the truth, okay? My laundry, the deadline for laundry is Saturday night by the time I go to bed. I'm going to have all my laundry done, folded, and put away by Saturday night. Every week, every week, every week, every week. If you were to text me about 8 o'clock on Saturday, I'm probably doing laundry. All right? Just so you know ahead of time, I am that much fun. All right? <laughs> all right? That's real, realistically, right? I have some other deadlines that are important, right? Because sometimes we need to create deadlines around what's important. How many of you, you know that sometimes you, you, you say, hey, you know, I'm not going to leave work today until everything gets done. If, if you live by that, you, you're probably never going to leave work, all right? Because not everything gets done, all right? So when my daughter started kindergarten, she's in second grade now, I made this commitment, and I said, you know what? Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, impress these laws upon your children when you walk along the road. That means when you, nowadays, it's for us, it's when you drive. And so I said, hey, here's what I'm going to commit, that I'm going to take my kids to school every day, and I'm going to pick them up every day as often as I can. And it means that I have to leave work every day at 2.30. So as a pastor, normally, uh, we only work four days a week. I know y'all believe I only work like right now. Um, but but we, normally, we normally work because Sunday's a work day and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so right now, I, I made the decision to work five days because that cut, that cut out two hours a day. But I made that artificial deadline every day. I'm leaving work at 2.30. I'm leaving work at 2.30 because there was something that's important. And it gets, it's on my calendar. Like I'm taking my kids to school. I'm picking them up. And I have turned down opportunities and places to be and meetings to have simply because I am saying no to other things because there are best things lying in front of me. I've noticed that. I've noticed that, that we have to get good at saying no. So number two in your notes is if you want to choose the important, we need to be brutally selective in your yeses. Be brutally selective. See, I think the barrier to a more meaningful life is not commitment because most of us think it's a lack of commitment. I'm not really committed to the right things. I'm not involved in the right things. I just need to get my kids involved in more. They just seem like they're a little depressed and like they don't have meaning. So, you know what, not only gymnastics but soccer and, you know, some extracurricular activities at school. I don't think that the barrier in our culture to a meaningful life is a lack of commitment. I think it's overcommitment. I think it is overcommitment. Busyness is not a statement of value. A busy life does not mean that your life is fulfilling. A busy life does not mean that your life is productive at all. As a matter of fact, busyness may be robbing you of production. It may be robbing you of meaning. This Saying yes to the right things is something that we grow in over time. It's something that we're, we're not great at it when we start. It's not, it's not something that we're, we're naturally prone to do. As a matter of fact, it's discipline. And discipline is always something that we have to grow in. But I've noticed now 
that I will say no to things that a few years ago I would have said yes to in a heartbeat because my life has values and my schedule is reflecting my values. When a few years ago, it was just yes to whatever. I love Shannon Equist in the book Present Over Perfect. She said, I noticed that the first half of my life was more defined by the things I said yes to, but as I'm entering the second half of my life, my life is being more defined by the things I say no to. And here's the truth. If we're going to live for best things, we have to learn to say no to good things. We have to learn. And so there are many good things, okay, that might not be right for you because they're not best things. And we have to learn to say no to the good so that we can say yes to the best. Can I, if you're a leader in here, maybe you're leading in the ministry, leading in the, in the marketplace, leading in a business, I, just listen to me. The best leaders in the world don't do more. The best leaders in the world do more of what matters. It's not a metric of busy, okay? It's a metric of understanding what matters, what's important, and being devoted to that. So we are brutally selective in our yeses. And then number three, do first what matters most. Too often, if we're honest, we catch ourselves saying things like, if I have time, I'll work out. If I have time, just an excuse. If I have time, we'd go on a date. Again, just an excuse, just an excuse. One day we'll take that weekend getaway when we finally get the time. Just an excuse, just an excuse. I don't want you to be that person that 10 years from now looks back and said, man, I wish I would have made time for fill in the blank. I don't want you to be that person because you have time for what you choose to have time for. So do first, do first what's important. Do first what matters most. Think about it. Are you reacting to what feels urgent, what others are expecting of you, the matters that seem to spring up out of nowhere, the five alarm fires that seem to come in our lives every day from every direction, or is your schedule reflective of your values and priorities? It's important. It's important for you to analyze and think through that because this is something we can all grow in, and I want you to see this. You can make progress, or you can make excuses, but you can't make both. As long as you keep making excuses, as long as you keep saying, I would do this, but I would, but I'd go on a date night, but I'd go and start a savings account. I'd start planning for retirement, but I'd tithe, but I'd serve at church, but all you're doing is making excuses. And you can make progress in life because for every person in here, there is a good work that God has began in you that has yet to be completed. 
There is progress that needs to be made. You are not done. God is not finished with you. The best is yet to come, but you've got to make the right decisions along the way. So you can make progress or you can make excuses. Today's the time to stop making excuses. Let's go back to Mary and Martha. Think about this with me. Mary chose that posture to receive. She's receiving from God, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha chose this posture to do. She's trying to be in control. Think about this with me. If she had kept her house in reasonable order, when Jesus showed up, she'd had nothing to do. She would have been prepared. If she would have done what's important before it was urgent, she could have sat at the feet of Jesus, even with that as a concern, and been prepared. Too often, we're like Martha, and we choose what's urgent. When Mary chose what's important, I want to look at that verse again. Look at this, Luke 10, 42. Mary, Jesus is speaking to Martha. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I want you to look at this verse. I want you to think about it with me. See, here's the thing about urgent things. Urgent things aren't bad things. They're not bad things. They're just not best things. They're not best things. God has better for you than living your life being defined by what's urgent, the the way of every day being pressed and pushed because of what's urgent. You see, when we choose the urgent, when we choose to be devoted to the urgent, to give our lives away to what, look at this verse. I want you to see this. I want you to see it today. When our lives are consistently devoted to what's urgent, we're giving our lives to something that can be taken away. That can be taken away. Some of you have given your lives to your job to neglect your family. And you're one or two mistakes away from losing that job. Some of you, today have allowed your kids to become basically demigods in your family. Your family revolves around them, their wishes and wants. And I want to tell you this, if you're a parent of a young child, they will leave home one day. They might try to live in the basement for a little while, all right? But one day they're not going to be there. But Jesus says something so important that if we'll live our lives for what's important, if we'll choose what's important, it can never be taken away. It can never be taken away. And today Jesus is in this place to offer you what is the most important offer that has ever been laid on the table in front of you. That's a relationship with himself. Purchased and paid for when he died on the cross to carry your burdens, your sins, your failures. And on that cross, if your life feels empty of love and joy and peace and patience and contentment, if your life feels empty of all on the cross, Jesus purchased all of that for you. And he wants to give it to you. 
But it only happens when we choose what's important. I think right now, for some of us in this room, it's a moment to choose the important. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.